0: change me from glory to glory and I boldly say I will never ever be the same again in Jesus name amen so if you've come to receive you will receive this morning Uh, my title of my message is very simple are you ready are you ready are you ready not for some football are you ready? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 13-18 but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope for we believe if we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord Many people believe, even theologians believe, the next event to occur or take place in God's plan for mankind is the rapture of the church. You could say catching away, being caught up, or whatever. But it's a two-fold operation of the power and might of Almighty God. The first being that the bodies of those that are in the grave who died in Christ, those <laughs> graves are going to be opened. Like they did when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Remember when he rose into Jerusalem that the graves opened, people went into the city? Those graves are going to open. Those bodies that have gone back to the dust of the earth, those bodies are going to rise. Their spirit and soul is already with the Lord in, the air, in, in heaven. They're going to come and meet the, those bodies in the air with the Lord. And there'll be a reunion of their spirit, soul, and body. They'll be reunited in a glorified state. But then the second part of the operation is we that are alive we that are alive and remain will be caught up, will be changed in an atomic moment this will occur what's going to happen? our bodies are going to go through glorification and then translation or translocation, we're going to receive glorified bodies in an instant, you talk about a change of clothes amen, faster than any guy can change his clothes boom, in an instant, atomic moment And then we're going to be caught up, we're going to meet our loved ones in the air, and then we're going to go off and be translated. So glorification and translation will take place. Now when this event occurs, what's going to happen is the time of the Gentiles will come to an end. And then God will resume his dealings with the nation of Israel and Jerusalem to fulfill Daniel's prophecy the 70th week. Which we're not getting into all that, but that's what's going to occur. Now this will impact the world globally millions of people in an instant, in an atomic moment, suddenly gone, disappears in a heartbeat. Can you imagine that global impact that will take place when this occurs? Oh, I'm sure you're going to have some news reporters saying that there must have been some kind of a UFO or something like that coming down and doing all this stuff. But we're informed. We know what the Word of God teaches. And believers know what took place and they know what happened. We know that. And I'll be honest with you, some, some that may be just a Christian by profession, but not truly born again, they will know what happened, and they will be left behind. And they'll talk about what happened to other people when this occurs. For those that might be saying, well, I've got time, I've got time, I can get time to get ready. Uh, no, you don't. Now is the time to get ready. Now the time to be ready now is the time to stay ready because an atomic moment is so swift, so fast, there's no time. Now why are we bringing this up? Well first of all let me just say this. We know because of the revelation of God's word that the next event to occur is the rapture of the church. Have you ever given a child one of these say hidden pictures where you've got certain items that are camouflaged in the picture and you give it to them just to occupy some time and maybe you know challenge them mentally and say look in that picture and tell me where you see the boat and they've got to look intensely to try to find the boat because it's a camouflage it's hidden within the picture or maybe a fork or a clock or something whatever it might be well that's what God did with the feasts of Israel in those feasts he has hidden his plan of redemption for mankind And if you study them and just look into them, you'll discover that they reveal to us, step by step, what's going to take place on this planet Earth. And we're going to look at those in just a moment. But first of all, these seven feasts are found in the book of Leviticus. So way back when, way back then, he chose To call the nation to come together and practice feast days that they are to celebrate every single year. Year after year after year after year after year. Not for eternity. But year after year. Until the fulfillment of those feasts would take place. And once they took place. And praise God they've been fulfilled. And then uh, we continue on. The reality comes. So we're going to look at these feasts. First of all. Number one. The first feast that we're going to look at. Is the feast of Passover. Very simple. Look in the book of Leviticus chapter 23 verses 4 and 5. These are the feasts of the Lord. Notice they're of the Lord. Even holy convocations which you shall proclaim in their seasons in the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's what? Passover. And what's the Passover? It's very simple. They celebrated what took place in Egypt when they were brought out of slavery and delivered from Egyptian tyranny and bondage. It required applying what? The body and the blood of a sacrificial lamb to prevent them from the death of their firstborn. So they had to eat the body and they had to apply the blood. If they ate it and applied it, then they were protected from the death of the firstborn. It celebrated their deliverance. From this tyranny and also from this death. In first Corinthians chapter five and verse seven, what do we read? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened, for even Christ our what? Our what? He has been sacrificed for us. So on the day that Christ died, it's no coincidence that he died on the day of Passover because it represented the Passover, it represented his death all these years it was just that picture that was painted and this is one part of it and as you're looking into it you say okay Passover what is Passover? Jesus delivering us not from Egyptian tyranny and slavery but the slavery of death, sin, the powers of darkness hell, the grave and everything connected to the fall of man because Jesus became our Passover lamb and how does that happen? we apply the blood and the body of Jesus to our lives. Jesus said you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood did he not say that? so we see pictured in the Passover Jesus dying as a sacrificial lamb and shedding of his precious blood and offering up his body so every single one of us could have life in him. that was the first feast and it was fulfilled in Christ. And you can have a whole sermon just about that, but that's just a, a quick synopsis of it. Second feast would be the feast of what? Unleavened bread. Another again, again, another type of Christ. Look in the book of Leviticus once again for the second feast. And on the fifteenth day, the next day of the month, of the same month, is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. Once again, leaven stands for sin unleavened bread it has to be unleavened bread not leavened bread and this once again is a type of Christ how is it a type of Christ well number one it's pure leaven stands for sin Paul told the church at Corinth get the leaven out in other words get the sin out well did Jesus have any sin he had no sin whatsoever did he it's also plain not a whole lot to it just kind of plain And didn't Isaiah say about Jesus that when you see him, there's no beauty, you should desire him? Just a common man, right? So the unleavened bread stands also for it being plain. But then unleavened bread is also, what? Pierced the matzah. is pierced, right? And striped. Pierced and striped. Isaiah went on to say, surely he bore our sickness and carried our pains, right? Surely the chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we were healed. He was bruised for our iniquity, and so on. So in other words, it represents Christ. So the feast of unleavened bread represents the Lord Jesus Christ, who also became what is called the bread of affliction. Same thing, unleavened bread stood for the bread of affliction. He took upon himself our sin, our sin nature. He took upon himself everything that separated us from God. And so we see it represented in the unleavened bread, the life of Christ, but also in the practice of unleavened bread they also had to hide a piece in the middle pocket in white linen and hide it in the house after they cleansed the house of all leaven this one piece of unleavened bread was hidden in the house and they had to go find it and they had to bring it forth etc. once again it's all a type of what Christ being buried not only was he pure plain pierced bruised also afflicted for all of us And then it's the type of his burial. So he died on Passover. He is buried as our substitute. On the feast of unleavened bread. It's all right there for us to see. It's all right there for them to see. But for some reason they just can't see it. And they haven't seen it. Okay number three. The third feast is the feast of first fruits. The feast of first fruits. Leviticus chapter 23. And look at verse 10, Speak unto the children of Israel and saying to them, when ye come, you ye become to the land, which I give unto you and shall reap the harvest thereof. Then ye shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priests. And again, it could be a message, but I'm just giving you a quick scenario. Now we've got the feast of first fruits, which takes place the next day. And what is that? The first fruit stands for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You talk about something so impacting that took place back then when Jesus was raised up from the grave Matthew says other graves were open people came out that were dead for many many years they went into this city they proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah and the Lord of all this was something that was done right in broad daylight they saw this take place and happen for the likes of it I have no idea how anyone could not believe that he was the Messiah when you see these people coming out of their graves after he is raised up from the dead and the villa of the temple is written twain from top to bottom and there those people are walking around the streets of Jerusalem knocking on doors and saying he's alive he's risen, he's risen, he's no longer dead, he's alive and he is the Messiah the one, the Christ, the one you were looking for, the anointed one from on high my goodness, how can you not see it it's like looking into that picture and you're trying to find a little piece of whatever, it might be a clock it might be a a boat, maybe a little airplane or something like that and you keep looking looking and looking but you can't see it, you can't see it, you can't see it, someone else comes along and says can you see the airplane there, oh yeah there it is right there, and you just go really? I've been looking for an hour and a half, and I couldn't find that thing. And here you are—you just come in, and in an instant, you saw it, just like that. That's how it is. Some people see it, and some people don't. So now we have the first fruits. Jesus is called the first fruits. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Jesus is the first fruits. Colossians says the same thing. But every man in his own order. Christ, the what? First fruits. So we see Christ in the Passover, Christ in the unleavened bread. And Christ now the first fruits, afterward they are Christ that is coming. He is the first one raised up from the death that Adam brought upon humanity. He's not talking about just a resurrection like the body going being raised up and dying because Lazarus was raised up and he died again but the death that was brought upon the human race by Adam when he sinned and separated himself from God Jesus after his sacrificial offering of his life on Calvary's cross and paying the penalty for our sin was raised up from the dead that death that was placed upon Adam and everyone that's in Adam and victorious over death hell and the grave so Jesus is the first fruits the firstborn among those that have been dead and aren't you glad that he was for us and then next Pentecost Leviticus twenty-three, fifteen through 17 the feast of Pentecost he shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath from the days that you brought the sheep and the wave offering seven Sabbaths shall be complete even to the morrow, shall, uh, morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall be number 50 days which is Pentecost 50 days so we know 50 days later after all this took place, you've got the Passover, unleavened bread, you've got the first fruits, and now we have the Feast of Pentecost. And what did Jesus say to his disciples before he left? He said, it's expedient for you. It's profitable, beneficial for you that I go away. If I do not go away, I cannot send the Holy Ghost. So notice we're pointing to Christ in all these feasts. We're pointing to Christ Christ is your Passover. Christ is your unleavened bread. Christ is the first fruits arisen from the dead. Christ now is sending the Holy Ghost as he said he would to the earth. It will prove to them that he made it all the way back to glory, all the way back to heaven. He will send the Holy Ghost who will come and fill them up with his power and might so they can be witnesses for him as they live their lives here upon this earth. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. In the book of Acts chapter 2 you can see it. And verses 1-4 through And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the day of Pentecost came. You realize it came at one particular point. It was fulfilled by Jesus when he said he would send the Holy Ghost in fire. And on that day, they were all in one accord in one place. Suddenly it came from a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire that shed upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. So on that day, that particular day. Now remember, while this feast is being celebrated in in Israel during that particular time, they're in the temple they're doing all that they're supposed to be doing during this particular feast day. The true Pentecost fell in an upper room where hungry hearts were waiting on God with sincerity looking in obedience to Jesus for what he meant to happen on that day you'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come on you and there they were having nothing to do with it other than being obedient to be there in the upper room and all of a sudden the sound comes from heaven as a rushing mighty wind it does not go to the temple Where all the pomp and circumstance and all that's taking place there. All the ritual, all the the duties that they were supposed to follow. It's not taking place there. The beautiful buildings and all that. It's not taking place there. It's in an undistinguished upper room. What does that tell us about our God? He's not concerned about all that. He's concerned about this. This right here. Hearts that hunger. Hearts that thirst. Hearts that want to know God hearts that are willing to to surrender to him to do his will to fulfill his purpose to be set ablaze by his spirit to be more effective in proclaiming Jesus to a lost and needy world so that's where the Holy Ghost falls right there in that upper room and so the day of Pentecost came so those first four feasts have been fulfilled now the Jewish people can celebrate them we can even talk about them right along if you want But they've been fulfilled. They have been fulfilled. Period. Jesus fulfilled them all. Now after Pentecost. There's a break. There's a gap between the four. Spring feasts. And the last three. Fall feasts. And you know what? That's been going on for 2000 years. That break. That separation has been taking place. Why? It's the time of harvest. It's harvest time. That's why we're laborers in the field of harvest and for 2,000 years we've been proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to anyone that will lend us their ear from the time that they got filled with the Holy Ghost, the time of their persecution in Acts chapter 8 when they went down to the city of Samaria with Philip and he preached Christ to them right on through Acts chapter 10 in that Cornelius' house where they began to, Peter was there to proclaim Jesus to, to the people that were there And all of a sudden, it's now spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth for 2,000 years, which is called the church age. We've been living in a church age for 2,000 years, and we've been proclaiming it from the mountaintops that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father who sacrificed His life for for mankind. So we've been proclaiming it. We've been declaring it this whole time for 2,000 years. Harvest time. Well what's next? What's next is the feast of trumpets. Go back to the book of Leviticus. Which is why Rose sounded the alarm. blew the trumpet, the shofar. The sound that we're going to hear as believers when Jesus comes in clouds of glory. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, speaking to the children of Israel saying in the seventh month and the first day of the month he shall have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets and a holy convocation. So here, once again, we have a revelation of this next feast, the fifth feast, which is the Feast of Trumpets. We can celebrate it. We can talk about it. But, beloved, I guarantee you it's more important to be a part of it than it is even to talk about it. Because we're living in a time right now when you can look around this world and you can see what's happening. You know what's going on. You know the stage is being set for the return of Jesus. It's been 2,000 years. We're in the field of harvest Harvest Field right now. We've been preaching Jesus. And look at how we can preach him now. Not just one-on-one. We've got media. You can, on your phone, reach somebody around the world and and talk about Jesus. Through text messaging and and Facebooking and all these different things. All the means we have, all the media that we have right now. You're talking about at a time right now, praise God, that we're setting a stage for Jesus to come. And guess what? We're now about to enter into the celebration of the Feast of Trumpets. And many believe it could happen this year. So that's coming up like now. Now, today, tomorrow. Feast of Trumpets. I looked it up. It's October 3rd and 4th. So 6 6, 6 6 o'clock p.m. to 6 o'clock p.m. You know what that means? What if they're right? Passover was on Passover. Jesus died on Passover. Jesus was buried on unleavened bread. Jesus rose on first fruits and he sent the Holy Ghost on Pentecost like he said he would to empower believers. 2,000 years we've been preaching Jesus to a world whether they listen to it or not we don't know. But many have. Anthony did. Thank God for Anthony. But can you imagine if it were to occur tomorrow as we celebrate the feast of trumpets now what happens during the feast of trumpets is the high priest sounds the shofar the ram's horn and he blows it and when he blows the ram's horn people hear it they come off the harvest field and they go into the temple and they begin to worship the living God that's what they're called to do what's that telling us The rapture is the sound of the trumpet as Jesus comes in clouds of glory. Who's the high priest? Jesus. The trumpet sounds. And when that trumpet sounds, oh my goodness, it is so impacting. Graves open. Imagine how impacting that would be. Where where are you going today? Just visiting, you know, my grandfather's grave. What a surprise. Kaboom! the graves are open, the dead in Christ rise those alive in Christ are chained in the twinkling of an eye in an atomic moment, and they're raptured out of here gone, so imagine all this happening in this atomic moment, once again the stage being set, many believe it can be during this feast of trumpets will it be this feast of trumpets, we don't know, will it be next year's feast of trumpets, we don't know Will it be at the beginning of it or at the end of it? We don't know. No man knows. But all we know is this. What if it was tomorrow? What if it was in the afternoon, in the evening, before you go to bed at night? Because it's 6 o'clock in the evening to 6 o'clock in the, the next day in the evening. What if it happened? What if it were this weekend or this beginning of the week? What would you change in your life? What would you do with your life? All the things that we think are so important right now, my goodness, my goodness. Would you give them up to be a part of that train that's leaving? Would you? Or would you adjust something even today in your life? Because once again, we could become callous. You realize that? We can become callous as we look at some of these things. Why? Because we're natural human beings and we sometimes take things for granted. We come to church, we have a celebration of the glorious communion, we go through it, da, 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 da. da. Is it coming from the heart? Do we really mean it? Are we really aware of what we're doing? Do we really appreciate the sacrifice? Do we know in our hearts that 2,000 and some years have come and they have gone? And we've been preaching Jesus to this world that we live in. And the time clock on the time of the Gentile is becoming to an, it's coming to an end. It's going to be clicked off. And God's going to deal with Israel and Jerusalem to finish uh, the transgression. And oh my goodness, it can happen in the blink of an eye so quickly would it not move us and motivate us to say as we heard today go higher, raise the bar, realize your time is short, let your friends know, let your families know, it's going to be that quick just like that. You need to tell someone, share with them. That's the next event. And my goodness, someone says, "Well, it's not happening." That's what Peter said for 2000, all these years, it's not been happening. You know why? Because it's like that. Because when it does, it's over. It's gone. And you don't want to be around for the last seven years. And before I go on to the next one, let me just say this. We live in a time right now when people say I'm a professing Christian. I profess to be a Christian. And you know what? That could be scary. Because you can say... I go to church on Sunday, I profess to be a Christian and live the way you want to live every day of the week. You can say you're a Christian because maybe you did something like, maybe you were baptized with, in water when you were a baby or something like that. You made no choice in that. You can say I'm a Christian because my grandmother's a Christian, my parents are Christians, and you know, they brought me to church all the time. And I've gone to Sunday school and all that. And I know the stories of the Bible, etc., 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 etc. We can go on and on and on. Let me tell you something right now. You must be born again. Jesus said you must be born again to see it, understand it, know it, and enter into it. That is the kingdom of God. You must be born again. You must know that at one point in your life you said Jesus I'm a sinner. I need saved by your grace. I can't save myself, go to church enough to be saved. I can't do good works to be saved. I can't feed the poor enough to be saved. There's nothing I can do on this side of heaven to save myself. And if someone else got me baptized when I was a baby, it has no meaning whatsoever. I realize and I know right now that if I was a child of God, listen, I've asked people, are you born born again? I'm a Christian. Well, how do you know you're a Christian? Are you born again? I don't know what you mean. I know there could be a matter of semantics, but let me tell you something right now. If you don't know, you better know if you don't know if you've been born again you better know you've been born again not because you're sitting here in church but because one day in your life you had a revelation that i need a savior someone died for my sins he was raised from the dead for me he's alive right now jesus i surrender my heart my life i deny myself to take up my cross and follow you and you alone hallelujah with my life and someone says, well i said a prayer but if you said a prayer and there's been no change in your life, by the fruit you shall know them, Jesus said. Does a fig tree bear apples? Absolutely not. In other words, you're going to have a conscious awareness of the fact that your life has got to change. It has got to change. He said, every branch of me that doesn't bear fruit is cast aside. If you say you're in me, but you bear no fruit, you're cast aside. So what are we saying? It is so important for us. And I'm telling you right now, beloved, I'm saying it as if he was coming tomorrow night tomorrow sometime I'm sharing with you right now to let you know and let your friends know and your family know that are you ready because if you're not ready if you don't know if you think you've got time for this that and the other thing and you know what you may not be ready because to be ready you've got to be washed in the blood born of the spirit you've got to have Jesus in your heart a conviction of sin will come upon your life as well if you can live your life for example and ple- please this is not meant in any way to, to put anybody down but if you're living in sin living together with somebody and And you're involved in in, in, in immorality and all that. And there's no consciousness whatsoever about the sin. Something is wrong. I'm going to say it again. Something is wrong. If you are a Bonnie and Clyde and you're robbing banks for a living every single day. And you have no consciousness that you're doing something wrong. Because this is just your, what, this is your profession? Something is wrong. If there is no deep conviction within the soul, within the heart, to live a life that is pleasing to God, something is wrong. Why? Because apple trees produce apples. Because plum trees produce plums. And pear trees produce pear. And holy trees produce holiness. And righteous trees produce righteousness. And godly trees produce godliness. That's why. And so the appeal that I'm making to all of us, To let us all know here and our friends as well. To let everybody you might even think is not showing any signs of being born again. No conviction whatsoever. They might profess to be a Christian. But I'm telling you when the trumpet sounds, they'll be left behind. Because you see, it wasn't here. They weren't born again. You say, what's the requirement then? Do I have to do, 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 do? No. You have to be born again. Born again. you have accepted Christ into your heart to be Savior and Lord of your life. And that's next on God's agenda. And because 2016, right now, October 3rd and October 4th, Feast of Trumpets is upon us. What if it did happen? The other ones happened on the day. What if it happened? You ready for that? Are you ready for that? We need to be. The next feast is the Feast of Atonement. The Feast of Atonement, let's go to Leviticus and read it. Also on the tenth day of the seventh month there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you and you, you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. This for the church has already taken place. But you see Orthodox Jews have not accepted the day of atonement as being done yet. Very simple. Jesus when he arose from the dead took his blood And offered his blood in the high court of heaven for humanity. He took that blood on the behalf of anyone who would believe. Now remember we talked about the day of Pentecost when they had the sheaves and they had to have the two loaves. The two loaves. Those two loaves represent Jews and Gentiles. So the body of Christ is comprised of Jews and Gentiles that have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. So in this church age, you've got Jews and Gentiles in the family of God. And they're all going to be raptured out of here. But the Orthodox Jew has not accepted the blood of Jesus Christ because they don't accept him as their Messiah. So this day of atonement that we're talking about here will not, as far as they're concerned, it's already been done, but they're not going to embrace it until the second coming of Christ. So after the seven years of tribulation, after the rapture of the church, and there they are being surrounded by all their enemies, and you realize it's got to come to this. You know, we talk about elections, we talk about what's going on in the world today. Look, we can do all that we can to expedite the process, but I'm telling you right now, the time is coming when Israel will be surrounded by every enemy and foe that will try to wipe them off this planet. It's inevitable, it's going to happen, because the Bible says it's going to happen. There will be an Armageddon, there's going to be a Gog and Magog, it's going to happen, okay, so no matter what, it's going to happen. So if you're left behind for seven years you're a professing Christian but you really didn't get born again, you didn't commit your life really to Christ and deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Him, you're left behind and you're going to know what's going on. And during those seven years you are not going to be around whatsoever. It's going to be the worst seven years on this planet that it's ever seen before. At the end of those seven years Israel will be surrounded by every enemy to try to wipe them out and then all of a sudden when it seems like as though it's going to happen, Their Messiah. Jesus will come in the clouds of glory. He's going to come with a vesture dipped in blood. He is going to come with a two-edged sword in his mouth. He will defend Israel. He will honor the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when he comes, he's coming not as an infant, not as a child to be pushed around by humanity. He is coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. And he will take vengeance upon those that have disrespected and disregarded his, his people Israel. And I'm telling you, when he comes, that's when they'll look up and go, the scales will fall from their eyes. And they'll realize the day of atonement already happened. They were right. Those people were right. The blood was shed. They applied it. Jesus did it. That's when they're going to see it. That's why everything has got to go back to Israel. That's why it has to go back to getting rid of sin from Jerusalem. And that's when it's going to be gone. What's, what can wash away sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, they don't accept the blood of Jesus. We do, but they don't. But when they see him in those clouds, they will. You talk about cleansing Jerusalem by the blood of Jesus. Cleansed each and every one. We've been redeemed, not corruptible things, but incorruptible by the precious blood of Jesus. Jesus. And so thank God, Jesus, it all points to Jesus as our high priest made that sacrifice for us. And now he reigns as the high priest at the right hand of the father, making intercession for all of us. And then finally, we come to the last one, the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles in Leviticus, you can see it there, 23, 34. Speaking to the children of Israel, saying, the 15th day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. So you can say in seven days, in one week, we have a revelation of God's plan of redemption for mankind. And here the seventh one is the Feast of Tabernacles. And what does tabernacle mean? That God will tabernacle on earth with man. God will live on earth with man. And that's when Jesus comes back and sets up His, eternal, his, his kingdom on this earth for 1,000 year millennial reign. And a will reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. And I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter what news media would uh, cover what takes place when he is sitting on the throne, they will not be able to say one thing, report one lie, exaggerate one thing whatsoever, because when he reigns as king of kings and lord of lords, there's no more CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, there's no more ABC, NBC, all the stuff that's going on that we're faced with today, there's nothing but good news, there's nothing but the good news that, hallelujah, the king is here, the Prince of Peace is here he reigns in power and authority upon the earth and we're his subjects and we're gladly serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and you're not going to hear another report of this that or the other thing, you know what you're going to hear? you're going to hear some good news this morning good news this morning, every day you get up, no bad news nobody died, nobody got ran over by this or no bomb blew up and nothing like that, nothing but good news it's a wonderful day, hallelujah in serving the King of Kings and the Lord of lords God tabernacling on earth with man like in the wilderness when the tabernacle was set up in the wilderness he was in the Shekinah glory was where in the ark of the covenant and that's where God actually was housed before all the people of Israel and they were all in their tents all around them and they were just experiencing God's presence but of course you understand there was a way to get to him only high priests can get in etc we won't get in all that but during on the outside there's the entrance the one on the eastern gate is the what? The gate of praise, Judah. You can get into the outer court, then the holy place, then the most holy place of all. Well, guess what? That doesn't exist anymore what know you not that you are the temple of the most high God as God had said I will dwell in them and I will live in them and they'll be my, I'll be their God they shall be my people we are the tabernacle we are the dwelling place the church collectively and the church individually we're all the temple the tabernacle of the living God you're his mobile home unit on earth everywhere you go you house the Shekinah glory of God God's seven Feasts reveal to us his redemptive work for mankind. In those seven feasts, camouflaged in the picture that we just painted here today, he became our Passover. He became our unleavened bread. He was the first fruits from among the dead. And Pentecost came and cleansed us from the inside out with the fire of God to make us fit to house the presence, power, and the glory of the living God. And for 2,000 years we've been shouting it from the mountaintop, praise God that Jesus Christ is Lord. And those 2,000 years are coming to an end and right now we're just praising God, thanking Him that the trumpet is going to sound, the dead in Christ are going to rise, we're going to be changed, Israel will be delivered and set free and then 1,000 years. Can you imagine just 500 years of no arthritis? Can you imagine that? Oh, thanks be to God. Well, beloved, you've heard it, right? You've heard it. What's the question? Are you ready? Don't we need to hear this always so we can always be reminded to be ready? be ready. Now, join together with me in support if you're with me on this. How many of you want him to come before this election? That's what I thought. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Well, how am I rapture ready? I've had, you read all kinds of articles and all that. People believe if you're not this, if you're not that, if you're not, you must be born again. Not, not a professing Christian. You must be born again. He must be in your heart. If he is, you're ready. Let's all stand up before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife Krista and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family whether you have young children or kids in elementary school. If you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world, through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I opened the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.